what would you do if you found out your best friend was sleeping with your boyfriend? We've watched this play out on TV shows or movies, and and it made headline news. Betrayal was even at the center of the storyline in season two of the Netflix uh, hit Euphoria. As as we watch events like this or other painful events unfold, we don't think about how it impacts someone's life. That is, until it happens to you or someone close to you. Far too often we allow the tragedies and pain from our past to prevent us from moving forward and achieving success in our lives. We stay in a place of denial, unconsciously causing harm to others and ourselves. Is it healthy to stay in this space? If so, how long can we or should we stay there? What can we do to break free from the pain of our past? Well, in this episode, author and coach Anne Papayoti shares how you can break free from the past, create positive change, and unlock your best life. Anne has went through some very painful moments, ranging from betrayal by her best friend to marriage to an abusive husband to suicide and even death of a child. However, through the death of her grief and honoring herself, Anne was able to bring all of her losses to the forefront and rediscover herself. And she's joining us today to share how she was able to use the gift of shift to transform her life and how you can too. But before we get to that, Good afternoon, morning, or evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to another exciting episode of Let's Coach. Let's Coach is a show that brings the best from the coaching world for you to use in your everyday life. And we talk about what coaching can do for you. We bring you some great small business ideas and some good news stories and stories about people who are paying it forward in their everyday lives. My name is Carolyn Owens, and I'm the host of the show. When I'm not hosting, I serve to help you up-level your skills so you can up-level your income, your career, your business, or your life. And I love to connect with you and hear what you think about the show so you can connect with me by visiting what I call my Connection Hub. If you go to carolyn360.com, you're going to find links to my social media profiles, website, blog, my email address, so that if you want to be connected even with a guest that we've had on the show, we can do that for you too. So go ahead and check it out. And if you are really enjoying the show, I encourage you to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. If it's iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you choose to listen, go ahead and subscribe. And if you're really enjoying the show, go ahead, if you can, leave us a testimonial. We'd really appreciate that. So we 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 go through stuff in life, and that stuff impacts us in major ways, some that we're in denial of. And our guest today, author and coach Ann Papayoti, has had her share in, in more of tragedies and painful, sometimes paralyzing moments. You could say she has a Ph.D. from the School of Hard Knocks. I mean, many of us know 
what it's like to be in this um, dark place. And some of you listening today know someone that's in that place now or maybe it's even you that's experiencing that and you just don't see what can I do to pull myself from this hurt, this pain that I've experienced. But what we can do is we can take the grief that we experience and transform our lives to something great and meaningful. And our guest, Anne, she she's done just that. And in her new book, The Gift of Shift, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life, which she wrote with a fellow life coach, Tracy McDonald, well, Anne uses many of her experiences to show how you can open up your gifts and, and lovingly. So instead of freezing up and becoming resistant or giving in to depression or other unhealthy emotions and behaviors, you can choose to have a better, more life-affirming, adaptable approach that can lead to new possibilities and a better pathway forward. And Anne is joining us today to share her story and how you can how how easy change can be once you embrace the gift within the challenge. So let's give that warm, let's coach welcome to Ann Papayoti. Hi, Ann. Hi, welcome Carol. to the show. <laughs> Hi, Carolyn. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Oh, I'm excited. I mean, I have had a chance to learn a lot about you, so I'm excited to have you here with us today. And, you know, your your story in itself, looking back uh, as a young girl, you had, we all have these ideas about what life should be like. What type of life did you dream about having? Oh, what a great question. You know, I'm one of these people who had a happy childhood. I didn't have trauma in childhood. It was happy-go-lucky. I mean, sure, there were um, things that happened that I can remember the first time not feeling good about myself, but I was one of those people who would pick myself up and try again. Um, but I had a, I just thought everything was going to work out according to plan. I was a planner. I was a list maker, <laughs> a box checker. <laughs> so I thought that I got through school, I fell in love, I got married, I got a job, and I had children by a certain time, and everybody just looked happily ever after. Well, that's not how it worked out for me. And when I look back at those uh, little school year books where my mom had me write every year what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was consistently like teacher, 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 and then it was nurse, and then it was teacher, and then it was stewardess, and I don't know why I didn't fly until I was in my 20s, but I must have seen something and thought that looks like fun. Um, and then it was um, back to teacher. And while I did become a teacher sort of in a different way, I realized when I looked back on life, you know, my path took me through all these things. I even became a stewardess. I worked for in the airline oh. for 17 years, starting as a flight attendant, and then I moved through the ranks into other things. But um, I did plan my life out. But it was in my 20s when I experienced that betrayal you mentioned by a best friend that I found out that life has a way of 
of pulling us under, so to speak, and derailing us or creating these detours on those life plans. And for someone who was so structured and drives and structure, I was lost. Yeah, I was lost. I, I was, everything I learned in childhood about, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, this is how we resolve conflict. Uh, you know, as children, if there was a conflict, there was someone there to help you work it out. You were sent to the principal's office or your parents <laughs> sat you down. There was always someone to help you resolve it, and then you continued on uh, with your play. Case, I was left by myself. I lost the two people closest to me, and I lost them to one another. I had no one to help me sort this out and to create understanding. Everything I thought to be true was now a lie. And so mm. my world was upside down. I, when trust is broken, it's, it's one of the most um, hurtful human experiences, betrayal. And trauma will carry throughout our lives if we don't learn how to heal it. Well, I didn't know how to heal it, and I didn't know how to express it. And because people knew me as a person who just always got up and tried again, I failed. You know, in high school, I tried out for the dance team. I didn't make it the first year. But I wasn't someone who who crawled up in the corner and gave up. I was someone who got up, tried out again the next year because I went and I worked and I practiced and I did better, and I made it the second year. So I was that kind of person. So people saw me as having the ability to just get up and go ahead. Well, you deserve better. They were, I got those kind of messages at me. Well, it wasn't meant to be. Mm. Move on, move on, get going. So no one expected me to be in the kind of pain that I was in, the, the rest of the people who were close to me. But I was in pain. And because no one was giving me the space and allowing me to express, express it, I thought I didn't give myself permission to either. No. So I started, yeah, so I started betraying myself. So I was holding it inside. I start what I call the over and under behaviors, Carolyn. I was overeating, over drinking, underachieving, underperforming, and I stopped showing up for life as myself. Now that people did notice. And then they just looked at me, or I felt they looked at me as a failure, a disappointment, and I started labeling myself as those things. And so I got stuck in this space, this head space about that. So even though the betrayal had happened, it's over with, energetically, it continued to happen because it was happening in my thoughts, in my feelings, my emotions, that it was now a self-inflicted betrayal. Make sense? Oh, it does. I mean, you think about how people often deny or ignore the fact that events and things that happen to us in life do impact the decisions we make, especially when we feel like we're navigating this space by ourselves when, you know, it was really a first time that you've even seen something like this because you, you did have mm-hmm. you know, a pretty happy childhood, and then you see two people that you care deeply about, that trust is broken. 
You know, and mm-hmm. then it's like, wow, what do you do? And being, you know, fairly young at the time and trying to navigate through that, you ended up, as you can, you got into these under and over types of behaviors that allowed you to kind of stay stuck in this place. But you, you made a very good point where when you're, you're talking about some um, people weren't, they're like, just go get over it. Um, you deserve better. They didn't give you that little space for grieving for what you experienced, like that loss of a friendship and a loss of mm-hmm. you know, the sky that you think is your world. And, you know, they didn't give you that space for that grief. And you you, you see that a lot in society. Yes, absolutely. And and I didn't know what I needed to ask for it either. And I didn't mm. – and I wasn't confident enough to ask for it. And so – this continued to happen this this what i now understand is betrayal trauma carried through my life and while i appeared to get beyond it sometime after that a year a year or so later i started taking action that looked like healthy choices you know i i started going to aerobics i lost the weight you know i changed schools i i was i changed my environment i finished school i you know i got my grades up and all of those things i got a job i started it looked like i was moving forward and everything was um fine and dandy but in between there there were a series of of female relationships that were where the the girls were manipulative and using me because i think i was looking for uh to prove I was worthy. And I, looking back, I realized you know, there was a roommate that wanted to be my roommate because it got her closer to somebody I was close to. And then there was another roommate that was this. But regardless, I recognize now, and I think we have to look back to understand how we got to where we are. The next thing was the 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 boyfriend that became the husband. And... I realized that I was looking for someone to complete me, and that's why I hate that line in the Jerry Maguire movie, <laughs> You Complete Me. You Complete because Me. Because I was, yeah, I had done all this apparent work. You know, I'd read a lot of self-help books. I had, you know, burned through several highlighters, but I hadn't really done the work. It's one thing to read or, you know, it's people even to listen to us speak, but you still have to do the work of healing. I hadn't mm-hmm. done the work. Okay. And I was still had this, you know, hole. And so when someone, I came across someone who actually knew all of us from our university days, who said all the things I needed to hear. So I'm coming from this place of need and lack and want. And he said, you were, you know, he idolized me. Let's just put it that way. In short, he idolized me and it just filled up that hole. And it made me, and it sounded like love because I mm. loved my best friend. I had loved my boyfriend and what happened to me felt so unloving and unworthy that everything he said just was like, wow, maybe this is love. This is what love should feel like and sound like. So I leaned into him, and I allowed him to complete me and fill me up because I had not completed myself. Unfortunately, when you are not healed and you have a hole, 
you are a magnet to someone who has a controlling personality, a manipulator, a narcissist, if you will. And I can say that in this conversation because I know that was his ultimate diagnosis. And idolization is step one in a narcissistic relationship. And that's what I needed. I needed someone to idolize me. And um, sadly, he was a narcissist and not someone who who was truly in love with me. So it was all the love bombing in the beginning. It was too good to be true. And, yes, it was Mm. too good to be true. And then it turned into um, the tearing me down. And then it turned into the humiliation and then the rejection. And then every time I would start to pull away, Hoover me back in, as they say, like the vacuum cleaner suck you back in. And it was in this relationship that now I really did label myself complete on failure, disappointment, Um, I had committed before God and man, for better or worse, this is what I got. I'm from Alabama, grew up in the Baptist church. (laughs) This is is now my fate. So I let my belief system, and as as coaches, Carolyn, we know how strong belief systems are for people. And we have to really help people work through and challenge their belief systems. But any listeners out there, you have choice in what you believe. So choose what empowers you, not what disempowers you. And challenge what is fear-based versus conscious-based. Well, my fear-based belief system kept me stuck in an abusive marriage for eight years. And in that marriage, two children were born, the first of which is the son you mentioned who passed away. But that child's uh, short life, two weeks, Uh, was a Mm. catalyst that started me remembering who I was at the core. And that going through the depths of that grief and literally not wanting to live myself, but going Mm. through that, there was a transformation for me that started beginning. And it started me on a path of, of remembering who I was, I wasn't quite, I was, still was not ready to, to, to leave. I still didn't have the courage. But then when the second child came, and I believe there's this thing that happens, Carolyn, when someone is ready for change and opportunity actually cross paths, it's like when those stars align in that moment that someone takes that action, it's in a moment of time, being ready and opportunity cross paths. And that happened when my second son was 22 months old, and that's when I jumped off the proverbial diving board and left this marriage. And it was difficult. It remained difficult Mm -hmm. because breaking up with a narcissist is never easy, but I did not go back. And, um, And from that point forward, I rediscovered, started a process of rediscovering who I was, becoming true to myself, I had stopped the self-sabotaging behaviors. I had to clean up my mental mess and truly um, uh, clean up those belief systems. And it was a daily, every morning, get up and choose it again, day to day, choosing me. And during that time when you were after the betrayal in, in college and then being in an abusive marriage, you know, when it, it's almost as if you lost 
a lot of yourself alone that that time of your life of remembering who you really are, who you really were. And did you did you even love yourself during that time? No. <laughs> no. I I wouldn't I I laugh now because just to even say love myself, I didn't know who I was. And part of that was I think that I had hidden I think shame, shame is such an, an awful mm-hmm. uh, thing to feel. I was hiding from, I, I hid from, it's kind of like Eve behind the fig leaf, you know, hiding from God. And I was like, I knew that I was so against who I was supposed to be, who I was <laughs> meant to be, that I just, was hiding from life, even though, you know, I was showing up at work and I was, looked, I had a smile on my face and that's this mask that I think so many people wear and function. I was a functioning, emotionally trauma victim, if that makes sense. And and I think so many people are doing that, walking around with unhealed emotional Mm -hmm. trauma and uh, therefore, not living their best life. And this is where I feel their life is locked for so many people. And there's a key to unlock it, that we have to create conscious choice and we have to wake up to living our best life and claim that. But um, I'm sorry if you hear my dog barking. <laughs> but uh, uh, that, that's part of uh, being being live, right? Um, so anyway, this, <laughs> he said, talk about second chances in life. He's a pit bull. He's a rescue. And, uh, and God oh. loves their lovers. They get bad, they get bad raps, but they do. there's so much more to, there's so much more to them than meets the eye, but he certainly lets me know that there's someone <laughs> at the door. Um, but yeah, so loving myself was not even a, a consideration. I just tried to get through the day and, um, and and that again, you know, it was trying at the time during the abusive marriage. It was get through the day and not set him off, and um, get through the day and not disappoint him, and and then get through the day and realizing, God, that messaging in my head, he's calling me names. But when I started calling me myself names, like you're so stupid, didn't you know that would make him yell at you or didn't you notice but that's when after the yeah but after the the loss of my first son that's when that started shifting for me carolyn that's when i was like no that should not have that's not normal that should not have set him off how have you gotten so lost that he's been able to convince you of this and this and i think i was able to kind of step outside of my experience and observe it as we're taught to do as coaches, as the observers and not participants, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is what started happening to me is I started observing my life rather than participating in it. And by now I was so numb to him because the loss of my child was so great for me that I think it took the pain of anything else away. And I was able to just observe this. And while I would have it still took a trigger with my next son to to finally have that moment of opportunity and readiness to take action. I I was being prepared and I realized that. You know, so many people still took a while. Yeah. 
And, and there's so many people who are, who are in that same space where, you know, they don't want to face what they're going through and they'll stay in this dark space thinking, I deserve this, I shouldn't. And, and this mm-hmm. is men and women. I mean, people often think that it's just women who experience this, but there's so many men. I think even more so now where society isn't giving them this, their space as men, you know, regardless of what they mm-hmm. choose, but they're not given that space as a man in society as much anymore. So uh, men experience this just as much as, well, not as much, but they experience a, a, as well as women experience being in this dark space. And But as you were blessed and fortunate that you, you were able to begin awakening and seeing a way to change that this wasn't what life should be for you. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that stay in this space that they don't give themselves the permission to move forward. Why do you think they stay in that That's space? I, I agree with you about uh, men. Number one, I'm a boy mom, and I think God gave me, me too. for that purpose. Okay. Um, and. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I think that boys messaging to boys is that they're they have to you know just get over it as well, no matter what it is, and move on. Um, but there we why I think people get stuck in darkness is because they it's 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 I hate to say easier because if they only knew uh. <laughs> you know if they only knew that how difficult it is to stay there. But what happens is ego takes over. And ego is punishing. And ego and pride and all these things take over, and they keep us looking down. But if only we would look up, we would see options. But when ego takes over, we are in the dark, and we will not see the options for us in the moment. And that darkness, that darkness is, is so punishing, whether we're victimized by what's happening and we feel helpless and hopeless, defeated, or we're in conflict with it and we're always living in this place of anger and frustration and bitterness and resistance, whatever it is, it's dark. And if we would just let the light in, um, just let the light in and find that little sliver, there's always light. And in in my book, uh, The Gift of Shift, in one of the chapters, The Gift of Buoyancy, I tell the story of when my dad taught me how to swim in a lake back home in Alabama. But he insisted <laughs> that I learned how, <laughs> yeah, but he insisted I learned how to float first. And I remember I was so impatient with that because I wanted to learn how to swim so I could go into the deeper side across the little rope where they had it divided and you couldn't jump off the pier until you passed the swim test. But he insisted, and I had no idea how important that lesson would be for life as well as for my life's work, is to teach people how to float first. Mm. Because my dad always said, if I only teach you how to swim, honey, you're just going to swim, swim, swim till you wear out, you're going to sink, you're going to go under, and you could drown. So I'm going to teach you how to float because you're going to need to rest. You're going to need to rejuvenate. And you're going to need to get any, uh, get your bearings, get your perspective, and then you can choose where you want to swim when you need to swim and how far. Mm. And so when we're floating, Carolyn, we're on our backs, 
You can hear your breath in your ears when they're underwater. And you can even hear your heartbeat. You can reconnect. And then you get the whole sky above you as a view. And you can relax and rest into that. And I remember when I was first floating, I was stiff and I'd start thinking. And then when he was had his hand under my back, and I remember when I finally relaxed into it, it just takes gentle motion to stay afloat. And I didn't realize he had released his hand from under me until he told me and praised me. And now I, I think about that. If we would all just take the time to stop and pause and reflect for a moment, we can rejuvenate, reconnect to our breath, find our heartbeat, get the whole sky as a view as options, look up. Because if we just keep swimming, Carolyn, all we see is what's right in front of us or right below us, and we're going to swim to that first point or until we sink. And I swam to that first boat, you know, and climbed in with my first husband because it felt good. I was tired. <laughs> I was tired of trying to find, you know, to love myself, that he could love me enough for both of us, right? And that didn't work out too well, did it? I got went, got thrown overboard again. But when I did stop and reflect after my son died, I started thinking, you know what? That's not love. I'm not climbing in the next Mm-mm. boat. Mm-mm. I'm not. And I'm going to figure this out. And and I did. And I think it's just an important lesson for all of us, the power in pausing, the power of perspective, the power of taking that time to reflect. And that's why Tracy and I wrote the book in the format that we did. There's there's power in sharing your personal story and facing your truth. And so we mm-hmm. went vulnerable here and we shared you know, a collection of personal stories, short stories, because a lot of clients and have told me through the years that they find self-help books overwhelming, and they can't, they don't finish <laughs> them, and they don't, they don't learn how to, what to do with it, or how to apply it to their life. So we made them short stories, so you can read it in one little sitting or one chapter. And then we have five coaching questions behind the story, and while someone's story maybe different than than mine or Tracy's, everyone's experienced the theme of the story. So everyone's been betrayed in their life by someone. Everyone's had to find courage. Everyone's had to hold on to hope. Everyone's had to choose to forgive or not at some point. Everyone's had to quiet that inner critical voice and, and more. And so there's those five questions to stop and reflect. So we're giving you that space that we, you and I were talking about before mm-hmm. so people can hold that space for themselves with this theme in their life. And the goal is to either be reminded of a time that you got through something, or, you know, a story in your life about this theme, and maybe you're beyond it, but to be reminded of how you got through it so you can use that strength about you to get through a current challenge or to recognize how you may be stuck in that now and use this reflection time to help start figuring it out and how you can start moving through or where and what do you need to ask for help with. And um, that's the goal of the book and why it is structured the way it is. Yeah, I, I love how the comparison of floating and swimming, mm-hmm. um, when you think about when events hit, especially tragedies, 
That's what we do. We will swim, swim, and swim, and we'll exhaust ourselves and we'll resent other people, even when it's the good moments. I remember recently speaking to someone um, as their their coach, and they were talking about assisting with a wedding. And the irony was they said, yes, they would do it, but then they felt overwhelmed. It was they were swimming, swimming, swimming because of the ask. And so we had to kind of break that down, you know, and understand why they were saying yes to everything, why did they agree to do this, what was truly behind some of this. And I think being able to kind of stop for that moment and pause and understand why, where am I, you know, how do I move mm-hmm. forward. But we don't allow ourselves to be in that space in that moment, being able to kind of sit in, in the pain um, mm-hmm. and then grow from it, being able to understand what's going on, I, being able to just float for that moment. We don't do enough of the reset, the pause, that can make such a big difference when we're going through different different types. Good, the overwhelm is something good. The overwhelm is something bad. You know, it, it works in both right. both times. It it does, uh, and what a great lesson for someone who is a people pleaser and says yes, mm-hmm. and then ends up in resentment. Right to stop and pause. And figure out, you know, what is the need for saying yes right now? And, you know, and to choose their yes from a place of love and and not fear, that fear of needing to be liked or needing to make someone else happy. And if they choose yes, you know, to come with a place of intention to do it um, from a place of, of love for both themselves and for the work and for the other person. And then it just makes everything different, you know. It's just we really have to look at our intention behind every choice we make. And if we'll just take that time to reflect before we make a decision, so many things would be different. And now you have taken your experience and how you've grown and now work in that education space, but also as that coach, and you work to help people shift and transform their lives unlocking their best lives, something we also do not often give ourselves permission to do. What was the catalyst? What was it that said, okay, I'm going to help other people and be this awesome coach? (laughs) Well, that's funny, too, because, again, I said, you know, teacher, 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 nurse, and all of that stuff, and, (laughs) and stewardess, and then I did end up in, you know, working in aviation for 17 years, starting as a flight attendant, and then I got pulled into, um, I, I, I looked, there was an opportunity to go into corporate training and facilitation, and I walked through that door, and I was like, oh, this, there's this calling, it was in me, you know, all this time I was supposed to be a teacher, right? It just didn't turn out to be in the fourth grade classroom at a chalkboard. And here I was, and I, I, I felt, you know, this ignite, this passion in me, this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I continued on that, in that realm, and then I got pulled into something else, and I was brought into community affairs and global diversity, and I just loved everything I was doing. And, um, but then I, I found love and I remarried and <laughs> and then there was this there was this whole thing is he's got a job opportunity that was gonna move us out of the country to Canada. And I had to look at 
my career. I could not continue. Headquarters was in Atlanta. I, I worked for Delta, and I could not stay with Delta Airlines and choose my family. So I had to make a decision now. Talk about fear. <laughs> I have been a single mom. I have been financially independent. I've been through divorce. What if? All those what if questions popped up. What if marriage doesn't work? What if he betrays me? What if, what if, what if? And he had an ex-fiance in Montreal, and we were moving to Montreal. <laughs> so, I mean, there Every little fear monster raised its head in my brain. But and there's a I I tell this story in the gift of JOMO in the book. And if anyone's listening, they don't know that acronym. JOMO is mm-hmm. joy of missing out, which is the opposite of FOMO, fear of missing out. But I did that little dance in my head uh, <laughs> back and forth until I finally had to put FOMO in the corner and I made the decision to move to Montreal and to. Uh, Choose love over fear, which I believe is the base of joy. And uh, but not to say that it didn't root its ugly head from time to time and still question it. And I gave up a 17-year career and that security and that all of that. But what happened was when I moved to Montreal, and I was a stay-at-home mom for a while. Something else that had always been a pull for me that I'd never been able to do uh, because of the way my life path was. After a couple years, I had gone to the women's center there as a participant because I could take Pilates class and they had child care for my younger son that my uh, (laughs) second husband and I had together. And you had to volunteer time while you were there. And I was setting up for lunches and tearing down, but you also had to put your skill set. So I put all my training, development, facilitation. And at some point they called me and said, would you be interested in giving courses here? I'm like, oh. But, of course, so about the time my younger son started school, it was a great time for me to kind of get back in that space. I thought, oh, I get to create courses for women. And I'm like, what would you like me to do? And they're like, make proposals. What, do you, what would you like to learn? I came up with nine proposals, and then the last thing I put was separation divorce support group because I've been doing that in my community for years back in Alabama. And I should say that I'd gone through a support group as a participant when I went through my divorce. And they asked me to start leading it because they knew I was in training and facilitation at Delta. And I think they saw the skill set and they were ready to turn it over. The leaders had led it for like eight years. So I had taken this over in my community. Anyway, the Women's Center chose the support group because they'd never had support for that. And they'd had requests for so many years. And so I did that. But then I also started doing courses. And I found this wonderful venue to reconnect to my passions and my skills and my gifts and talents. But what happened was people wanted one-on-one time with me, Carolyn. So people were asking me, same thing had happened back in the support group at home. People wanted one-on-one time with me. So this messaging kept, you know, coming to me, and I'm like, "Um, okay. And I'd meet people for coffee, and they wanted my guidance and their help through their journey. And I didn't feel qualified to do that. I you know, and people were, we'd go for coffee, then we were for lunch, then it was dinner, then my cat's in their lap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at some point I, I had to say, okay, I'm being nudged to do something else. So I started looking at options and going back to school. I'd heard about coaching. I did not know a lot about it. But I call it my midlife awakening. <laughs> and I, uh, I, and I became a, a coach and turned 
this extra helping that people were looking for into a business to coincide with the, the support group leading I've done now for more than 25 years. And, you know, all coaches can't play in that space where someone is experiencing, say, a dark moment um, without, you know, because it, it, I've known coaches who take it, they internalize so much of what someone else is going through, especially when they're in that dark space. How do mm-hmm. you avoid getting stuck in that space Not and, you know, that you don't get caught up um, and lost in that tragedy with someone that you're working with? Carolyn, I've learned, and and it took me a little while because I would, um, this is is a lesson I learned as a lifeguard. I I was a lifeguard for seven summers in my years. I was a competitive swimmer, so I did learn how to swim after I learned how to swim. (laughs) um, And I became a lifeguard, and one thing we learned as lifeguards, of course, is how to save people, but we also learned how to let go uh, because there comes a time when you're rescuing someone that they can take you down and uh, take you under out of, in their own panic, their own fear, their own quest to save themselves. And it was uh, an incredible lesson, and that's something else I had to do twice. I had to go through lifeguard training twice because my swim coach on my swim team was my um, instructor for my lifeguard training and when in a scenario where I had to rescue him, he was pretending to be an unconscious victim. And he, as I went to do the routine of wrapping him around and flipping him over on his back and start to side stretch swim him to shore, he became a conscious victim and started struggling and fighting and he took me under and he failed me the first time uh, because he wanted to save me so that I would... Uh, not encounter that situation in real life and fail in real life. And so what did I do? Like I used to do, I went back, I tried harder, I got better at it, and I was better prepared, and I passed the second time around um, and became a lifeguard. But that's something I learned, Carolyn, when to let go. So I, I know when to let go, and I learned how to clear my energy. And so uh, – I've become a Zumba instructor, Carol. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um, it's very important, coaches, that we have a way to let go. So yes, and and I I know we all learn to not be attached to the outcome, but we're human. We want to see them succeed, of course. But I have for me, it's more about clearing the energy of the session, so I don't take it to bed in my uh, unconscious mind. And I'm a a Zumba instructor, fitness instructor, so I have to prioritize my health. And one thing that I learned, and this was just a strategy for my own success, Carolyn, Zumba was just my favorite way to exercise. But I would let the phone ring or the email um, alert ding. And something would go in time being on time is a high value for me and I would not go to class late. I found myself missing class because something would interrupt. I would make a higher priority because, Oh, it's this client or it's this person. I know they've got court tomorrow or I know they have mediation or I know she's struggling with how to respond to this. And, and I would let that stuff happen and keep me from what I needed for myself. So I said, I know how, I'll prioritize it. I'll be the teacher, right? I'll be that part of my, <laughs> what I do. 
I teach. So I didn't tell anyone, and I signed up for an instructor course, and till the morning I was supposed to leave, I told my family I'm driving to Ontario today, and I'm going to become a Zumba instructor, and I'll see you all on Sunday. And they're like, what? <laughs> anyway, because I didn't want anybody talking me out of it, and I just did it and did it out of province and came back uh, to, to Montreal all the time. I now live in Texas, by the way, but I did all that and, and came back, and it's funny how the universe works. When I got back, the women's center where I worked also offered, you know, fitness classes and stuff, and they just sent an email out to all the instructors, and, of course, I was in the personal development world and support group world, saying, hey, we're losing our Wednesday Zumba instructor. If any of you know anybody, please <laughs> let us know. And I was like, okay, do I tell them? You had to sit back for a sec, I, like, is this real? Yeah, <laughs> is this real? And do I tell them or do I wait till I feel ready? And I'm like, I'm diving. I'm going to dive. And so I said, well, if you, if you don't mind a, uh, you know, a, a virgin instructor, <laughs> whatever I don't know what to call myself, I said, he, I, I just got certified. And I'm like, okay, well, in two weeks it's your job. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that forced me into growing, right? And so I just grabbed a bunch of friends. I went to my church rehearsal hall. I had notes on my arm, and, <laughs> and, and they were my guinea pigs. And, you know, I pushed myself in an uncomfortable situation. It would have been easy to say, wait till I'm ready, and no, I don't have to tell them. Nobody knows. But um, I pushed myself to grow, and now I've been doing that for, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years. So and, and yeah, the, that's how I do it, Carolyn. It was two really key points there, and one being we've got to know when to let go. As coaches, Mm -hmm. business owners, even, you know, in our personal lives, understanding and knowing when to let go. And sometimes you do need a little help kind of figuring that out, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy being a, a coach is helping someone along the journey of rediscovering and transformation. And the second one there was about you have Zumba. You found a way that was that outlet for you, so you didn't internalize everything, or you didn't take on, you know, that the the pressure and stress and burden that someone else is feeling. Because when you're a compassionate person, that's very easy to do. We will wear everyone else's, but it it, it prevents us from living our lives, from really living mm-hmm. fully and unlocking, as, as you say, that true potential that we have. And, and I've got to mention that, you know, as a coach, you know, some there are coaches who don't get training. There's some who do. And I like having the certification. It just so happens that you and I are both certified, if I'm correct, by the same mm-hmm. um, coaching School, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, IPEC. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. I are. love that program. <laughs> yes, me too. It was amazing. But in, and you you mentioned that you know you dis, despite the things that you experienced, you were able to go on and get married again, have another child with your husband, uh, your current husband, and. Mm-hmm. That's another place where you'll see people like once they experience something in life, they don't move on. They don't go to create something 
amazing for themselves. And you like you dove right into the Zumba. You found someone who appreciates you, who really treats you like you 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 should be treated like with love. You know, so yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, oftentimes, so, you know, there are people who are even listening to this right now who are like, "Yeah, that happened for you, Anne, but it can't happen for me." Well, what do you say to that person? It didn't happen for me. I made it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to tell everyone. It's it's in you, the possibility, the potential in you, but it's also up to you. So let's talk about that for a minute. So being that we're both IPEC, we love energy, right? We love yeah. to talk about energy. All right, so energy when we talk about potential, potential is about energy, but potential is just potential until it's made kinetic, meaning until there's movement in it. So every one of us has the potential to have the life we desire, to have the relationships we desire. But the potential just lies there. It's just dormant until we do something to make it happen. So that's what I would say to him. You have to make it happen. It didn't happen for me. I made these things happen. And and you can too. Everyone has the potential. So this is what we have to, the lesson is about letting go for all of us about everything. Because it's what we're holding on to that will prevent us from receiving what we really want. We have to make room for it. We have to believe it's possible, and we have to let that light in the darkness. We were just talking about this last night. I lead a support group for separation and divorce um, on Monday night, and it's letting that light in the darkness and seeing the light, and that's the power of perspective, choosing positivity over negativity despite the circumstance. And that's the whole premise of positive psychology. It's not to deny that the bad exists, the dark side, if you will. It's Mm -hmm. choosing to focus on the positive because what we know about neural pathways is what we focus on, what we nurture, what we um, feed and water, so to speak, will grow. And if we want to find negative thoughts, negative beliefs, things that defeat us, things that Um, block us, we're going to grow those neural pathways. They're like tree roots in our brain. But if we ignore those or intercept those and replace them with positive ones and keep nurturing the positive ones, and we even practice this, and it sounds so simple to do, but it's the simple things we don't do. We all know if we want to be healthy and lose weight, we need to drink more water and move our body. But why don't we do these simple things, right? But, you know, so here we go. We've got to intercept the negative, focus on the positive, speak the positive, grow the, the positive neural pathways, and let the negative ones shrink up. And, and, and literally, if you don't water your house plants, what happens? You know, they're going <laughs> to shrink up to stop watering the negative neural pathways. What are the poss- it doesn't mean that negative things aren't going to happen. Listen, undesirable things happen in life. You read my laundry list. I have a laundry list. And there will be more 
negative things happen in my life, there's no doubt that's part of living. But what I've learned to do is to not carry the trauma forward in my mind and to release it from my body. I've learned to grieve. And as you said at the beginning, Carolyn, I didn't grieve. I didn't grieve that first trauma. And grieving the process, and I'm not putting a time frame on it, I've had people in support group who waited 21 years to deal with their loss. Um, I've got someone in my current group 11 years before she found this journey. But in one night, she already felt relief. Another one, seven years. This is her third uh, session of support group she's joined because after seven years, she's finally letting go. Other people, it's Mm -hmm. only months. It's different for everyone, but you have to allow yourself to start this process of grieving, which leads to the letting go so that you can can reclaim your life. So I call it soul CPR, okay? <laughs> you got to look back, all right? Yeah, you got that's that, you're reviving yourself, okay? You got to look back and that's the connect the dots to understand how you got here. There's your C. And then you got to, P, pinpoint the pain, what's the emotion, what's stuck. And emotion is just energy in motion. And it's either in your head, it's in your body, it's somewhere. It's probably both. Okay? And then once you've done that, that's the work, and that's what people want to avoid because that's what hurts. But we have to go into the pain to be able to release it. And that's the work. And that's why some people need people like you or me, to help them get through that. And that's okay. That's what that's a step of courage. They helped me get through this. That's okay. The next thing is the you, R, recover the truth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How do you then work with individuals? Do you work with them one-on-one? Do you work with them in a group? Both. So um, I, I meet a lot of people in group and then um, – select individuals then want to come one-on-one because they're ready. That's that okay. ready and opportunity. Yes. They're ready now to take it to the next level. Um, some people I will meet one-on-one and we'll work, and then they'll come to get through that grief, and then they'll come back two years later, and now they're ready. Help me get out there and live my best life. You know, I'm, I'm through the grief, and I've been living, but now help me live my best life. You know, maybe they're ready to date again. And they want to make sure that they're connected to, you know, good decision-making and boundaries and all of those things. So they're in a different um, point of life on their life journey, and they're just looking for uh, that kind of guidance. So I meet people where they're at, but it really is some people are at survival mode. Some people are just Mm. ready to do the work. They're at that strive they're ready. They're like, I'm ready. Let's let's do the work. I survived it, whatever it was for them. Okay, but now I'm ready to do the work. I'm stuck. It's not my best life. They are like me when I was change schools, doing aerobics, was doing all those things, but I was stuck in that. That emotion was holding me back. That trauma was still carrying through, and all trauma will continue to show up until you've got that healing resiliency in reaction, not necessarily in memories. Um, and then then eventually a 
everybody can get back to thriving and really connecting to who they are, but you've got to challenge a lot of things. You've got to challenge all those fears and belief systems and make sure that you are connected to the truth of who you are, and that's really that R and CPR recovering the truth. Mm. And it's, it's a group program is often a good place to start. Like if you're not sure yes. about coaching, or I believe that we learn from each other, and putting ourselves in that environment helps. Until, like you said, you have to be ready, especially if there's grief, there's trauma involved. The opportunity is there, and that's how I feel about this episode today that it's somebody who needed to hear your story and needed to know they they can move past that painful experience, excuse me event that painful experience or moment that they've had in life and hearing your story and and getting the book it's the gift of shift discover the key within to unlock your best life reading those stories so how how does somebody get a copy of the book? How do they connect with you? Oh, thank you, Carolyn. So the Gift of Shift is available on, from all online major book retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and such. Or if you want to support your local bookseller, they can order it from their Ingram Sparks catalog. And people can <laughs> connect with me at skyviewcoaching.com. So Skyview, like my dad taught me to look up. And um, so skyviewcoaching.com. And there's all the, the contact pages there. You can sign up for my newsletter and all of those things. And I would love to hear from people. I've got some new programs coming out. And mm. let me know what you need. What are you looking for? And we can create it together. And I do agree with you, Carolyn, uh, group programs are great to start because you see you're not alone. And often if you don't even recognize your truth, sometimes you hear your truth in someone else's story, and that's what starts that unlocking process. Man, oh, it has been awesome having you here today. And be- before we close out, I know we're getting to that time. There's a question that I always like to ask the guests before we close. Uh, but you have 30 seconds to leave a message with our audience. What's the key takeaway or message that you'd like to leave them with? I would say notice what has a grip on your heart. Is it a story maybe from your past that is holding you back, keeping you playing safe and small in life that needs to be released, let go of? Is it a story that's yet to be written, a chance you haven't taken. Maybe you want to be a Zumba instructor too. I don't know. So what is it that has a, a grip on your heart? And pay attention to it and and tell it. Hmm. How's that, Carol? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love, you know, what's sticking with me so much right now is the analogies and metaphor you use in terms of swimming and the sky view that your dad, you know, talk to you so much about and why we need to learn to float before we learn how to swim, why we need to learn to know when to let go so someone doesn't pull us down with them. I mean, there's so much power in that, you know, and just being able to to fully understand that. And, and hey, and let's go all have some learn some soul CTR. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> revive your 
re- revive your recover your truth and you'll revive your life people we deserve it let's reconnect and thank you so much for being with us today i have enjoyed our conversation today and as i was i know there's someone who needed to hear this message today that is stuck in a space where they've experienced something be it a, a death a abusive relationship you know, a betrayal, that there, there, you can move forward from this. You don't have to just survive and just have, you know, everything continue to go down for you. You can learn how to survive. And I encourage you to definitely reach out to Ian, you know, check out her programs, get the book, and find out how you can begin to unlock your best life. You don't have to stay in that space. That's right. Thank you, Karen. We did, being stuck is a choice. Okay, they say pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Mm. And, and thank you again, Ian, for being with us. And for our listeners out there, I want to thank you for choosing to listen to Let's Coach. I know there's a lot of shows that you can listen to out there, and you've chosen to listen to this one, and I don't take that for granted. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I thank you so much. And, hey, share it with someone. If you know they need to hear this episode or episodes you listen to, hey, come on, let them join us too. And we have a lot more exciting shows to to for you this year where – There's so much more to come, so stay tuned and definitely check it out. Leave a review. Connect with me at carolyn360.com. And remember, if it ain't broke, make it better. Awesome, blessed week, everyone, and thank you again. (laughs) Thank you, Carolyn. Bye-bye, everyone.